1: Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 45 of the Professional Book Nerds podcast. I, I can't do it as fancy as you. I tried to, but that's, that's okay. okay. All right. Anyway, this is Adam, and I am joined by your host, Jill. How are you doing today?
2: I'm great. How are you?
1: I am doing fantastic, as always. You want to maybe let us know what this episode is all about?
2: Yes. Um, today's episode is all about nonfiction. Nice. Yay, I know. We don't really... We do mostly fiction. Yeah. And we do mostly, I mean, nonfiction is sometimes sprinkled in. But yeah, it's, but I don't think,
1: I think we've only done like one we have, dedicated yeah, otherwise right. in this.
2: Um, so this is all nonfiction. And I uh, sit down with one of our coworkers and we just talk a whole bunch of nonfiction. A lot, I mean, there wasn't really a theme to it. I just mm-hmm. said, bring whatever recent nonfiction you've read. <laughs> <laughs> so it's very wide open. We yeah. cover a lot of topics. Um so, yeah, it was fun. It was mm-hmm. fun for our nonfiction listeners. And
1: it's one of our rare sort of like one-on-one in yeah, the office. There's usually a whole gaggle of people in there. So it's a gaggle. Yeah. Well, there's usually three, there which are. isn't a gaggle at nope. all. But
2: just the two of us. She was, was
1: good. newcomer, She's right? She's a newcomer. And it was Christy. It was Chris, Christy. Was yeah, I was yeah. just making sure. I always get this all. There's nothing worse than when I'm sitting in one of the podcasts, and I know all these people, and I'm good friends, and I'll stare <laughs> at them and I'll be like, and it's good to see. Oh no, I don't remember. Wait, and I I'll have the panic, and I don't ever want to re-record. So I anyway.
2: know she actually she emailed me and she said that uh, she said she misspoke about something. She thinks she remembers from the podcast about author Mary Roach having a story in a collection, and ended up Mary Roach um, edited this scientific writing collection, but she wasn't actually have a story. And I was like, that happens to all of us. We've all misspoken <laughs> yeah. at some point. Don't not, worry. Not only
1: have you and I miss like misspoke about a title or when it's coming out or who wrote it but i the amount of times we mispronounce people's names is just i think that
2: i've been this one too
1: <laughs> i a, think i have no idea i think i said in the past it's not an episode if we don't mispronounce at least yeah. one name so that's okay uh where can people find us if they want to get a hold of us
2: you can find us on facebook and twitter and they can email us directly at feedback at com.
1: yes they can yes, job they well can. done Thank you. Um, one thing, on a kind of a sadder note, I want to point this out. So in the past, you and I have talked about our love of certain celebrities and, you know, David Bowie and Alan Rickman. I'm <laughs> sorry. I know, I'm sorry, but... No,
2: 2016 has been a bad year. 2016
1: has <laughs> been a horrible year, and you and I both have, in affinity, again, a, a, a very deep-rooted love of Bowie and Alan Rickman and another one of those people for me was Gene Wilder. And I mean, he, it's not like it's tragic, he was a little bit older, I don't think people realize how old he was. was I didn't realize how old he was. Yeah, he was in his 80s, and he did have dementia, Mm -hmm. and so he was, he'd been sick for a little while, but nonetheless, I was crushed when I saw that he had passed away, and I'm someone who, some of the movies, in addition to like The Labyrinth, and all the stuff we've talked about in the past, the movies that I grew up watching, because I'm the youngest of four, I would get like Blazing Saddles, and... Uh, you know, Young Frankenstein and the producers' movies that I probably shouldn't have been watching when I was little. Yeah, I'm not so sure about Blazing <laughs> Especially Saddles. Especially Blazing Saddles. Yeah, <laughs> actually, I have a friend whose dad just like sat us down and we watched that one yeah. day, and we we're like, I don't know if this is what we're <laughs> supposed to be watching. Um, but anyway, we just I wanted to give a shout. out I mean, he was Willy Wonka. He was is, Willy Wonka. So if you want to. Say, why are they talking about this on a book podcast? Willy Wonka. Willy Wonka. There you go. So anyway, I'm not going to get super emotional or cheesy, but I just wanted to give a little shout shout out to Gene Wilder because I know that this weekend I will be watching all of his movies for the hundredth time. So anyway, again, didn't want to be a downer, but I wanted to throw that out there. So uh, anything else you think people should know about before they dive into some book recommendations?
2: If they want to see a list of all the recommendations, they can find them on uh, our listeners and our readers can find them on overdrive.com, our library partners can find them in Marketplace, and we also have them on Pinterest as well.
1: Yes, we do. Alright, well, I'm excited for you guys to hear this episode, and um, yeah, is there anything else? All I think good? that's it. Alright, well enjoy this episode of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast. <music>
2: And welcome to this week's episode of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is your host, Jill, and I have with me Christy. Hi, Christy. Hey, Jill. How are you doing today?
0: I'm doing very well.
2: Good. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks. It's your first time. We're mm-hmm. going to talk about books, it's going to be a lot of fun. And today we are specifically talking about nonfiction books, which we don't always talk a lot about on the podcast, so this is good. We'll get um, some new titles out there. So is there anything you've read recently that you really enjoyed?
0: Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just finished a great book called Romantic Outlaws, and the subtitle of it is very long, but The Extraordinary Lives of Mary Wollstonecraft and Her Daughter Mary Shelley. Oh. It's by Charlotte Gordon, and um, it's a double biography. She switches back and forth one chapter at a time. Mary Wollstonecraft, one chapter Mary Shelley... Mary Wollstonecraft um, wrote *A Vindication on the Rights of Women*, mm-hmm. and Mary Shelley, of course, wrote *Frankenstein*. Right. Um, so that in itself would probably have made for a good book, but they just both had fascinating, exciting lives. Yeah. Um, so it was it was a great read. I hesitate to say it read like a soap opera because I don't want it to seem like it was
2: just maybe a lot of dramatic moments oh, or yeah. yeah,
0: lots of lots of. Um, like, for example, Mary Wilson Craft went to France to cover uh, the French Revolution and was there during the Reign of Terror. Wow. Um, and so just all, all sorts of events that they had in their lives, each woman had in her life. That was just fascinating. Um, their love life. Oh, sure. Their children. Um, it was just a great read.
2: That sounds really good. Hmm. Okay. Um, I recently finished this book called This Is Not My Life by, I'm going to totally mispronounce this name and I apologize, um, Diane, I think it's Choperlin, something like that. She's a Canadian author and this was a memoir she wrote. She had dated and, um, was involved with a man who was incarcerated that she met while volunteering. Oh really? Yeah, she volunteered at um, like a soup kitchen type thing and, and he and some of the other inmates would come in as well and she met him that way and they started as friends and then the relationship progressed and it was really, really fascinating. And um, I, used, I used to be a prison librarian and so I had this like weird interest in oh. <laughs> prison, <laughs> memoirs and prison type things and so Reading this and seeing it from, like, the perspective of someone on the outside, looking in, sort of, and then the challenges that come with um, dating and being in a, you know, romantic relationship with someone who is incarcerated was was really interesting, and the challenges that come from that sort of situation. So it was a good read. I enjoyed that. Yeah. Anything else?
0: Um, well... Uh, also, on sort of the topic of crime and punishment, um, I also recently read a book called Dreamland, The True Tales of America's Opiate Epidemic. Oh, okay. By Sam Quinones. And actually, both this title and Romantic Outlaws both received National Book Critics Circle Awards. Mm-hmm. So I was looking at that list. So sure. I was like, I want to <laughs> read that one, and I want to read that one. And this... Uh, dream The title is actually... The story of how he, you know, comes up with the title for the book is interesting. Dreamland was actually the name of a water park in Portsmouth, Ohio. And he sort of starts out... He centers a lot of the narrative of the book in and around Portsmouth, Ohio. Because it's been pretty... It was pretty hard hit by opiate opiate abuse. Um, He covers sort of the story of the people dealing the drugs, the people addicted to the drugs... Um, prescription opiate abuse mm-hmm. and all of those things he he weaves together to make a very interesting uh, and compelling story of of heroin abuse and opiate abuse and i i thought it was really interesting especially because i know in ohio there's um ohio has been pretty hard hit by Heroin overdose deaths in the past yes. few years, yes, and it reading that book helps put that in perspective.
2: Okay, that sounds good. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, especially since it would sort of hit home a little bit more for those of us who live here in Ohio, because that's a a very big problem that we have here for sure. On a lighter note, <laughs> I <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> um I read a book called Cracking the Cube by Ian Scheffler, and it is about the Rubik's Cube yeah and so it's actually about competitive Rubik's Cube playing and there are competitions that people have where they compete to sell the Rubik's Cube as fast as they can and some of them are very very fast I like reading this book and he like he had done it like as a kid he sort of grew up in that era and um then later found out about this competition and he decided to start learning how to do it again and try and enter these competitions. And some of the people, they solve it so quickly, I actually had to go like on YouTube and look up videos because I didn't believe it could be done this fast. But it's, I mean, within like seconds, they just, the math and the the logic of how you solve the Rubik's Cube and the techniques, It's it's really fascinating. And he also... It talks just about, like, the history of it and how it came about as as a game and and how it's really taken off over the past um, couple of decades since it was introduced. So I highly recommend that if you are into sort of any kind of sports or or competition type things because... Rubik's cube competitions are apparently a thing.
0: Do you get to know any of the of the players? You do.
2: Yeah, he sort of focuses on a handful of players that, um, and he keeps meeting them at different competitions because it's sort of a small. It's like a circuit where there's different competitions they can go to, and and yeah, he kind of follows up with some of them and and how they're doing. Um, it's it was fun. It was a fun read. I liked it. I can't solve a Rubik's cube, but this kind of made me want to. <laughs> So,
0: and it's just called The Cube?
2: It's called Cracking the Cube. Oh, Cracking the Cube. Crapping, cracking the Cube, yes. So that was a good one. just came out a couple months ago. So that's a personal question. What is it that you like so much about nonfiction?
0: Uh, I like that every once in a while it becomes apparent that what I don't know on a topic could fill a warehouse. It's true. And um, I think... When you pick up a nonfiction book, then you can at least tell yourself that you learned a little bit more about it. Good way I'm at it. I like before. it. Yeah. Actually, funny enough, I was just talking with some coworkers the other day about um, book clubs that mm-hmm. we had when we were growing up in yeah. our libraries, and we had one at my local library called The Dewey Dabbler. I love it. Which was like you got a cutout with a picture of caterpillar, and you had to like get a sticker for each of the different Dewey decimal. That is amazing. Sections. Yeah, so like for a first or second grader, that was a great way to hook you on reading nonfiction. Yeah, because you had to fill up the caterpillar eventually.
2: I kind of love that idea. I sort of want to do it as an adult now. <laughs> I
0: kind of do too. It would take me a lot longer. If adult non-fiction we voice.
2: should do it here at Overdrive.
0: <laughs> I can start creating
2: We should out. create our own Dewey Dabbler. That is so fun because, yeah, that's, there's so many, like, it's just, I, yeah, there's so many different types and, it, like, the Dewey numbers out there that. Gonna have a lot of fun picking books, but it probably would take a little bit longer now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love it. Yeah, I I like the idea that I don't know some of the the, the books that I read is one of those like truth is stranger than fiction sort of situations mm-hmm. where you just sort of are reading this book and you have to constantly remind yourself this this like actually happened. This is a true story, and sometimes it's just so bizarre or. Um, things you wouldn't have known before, like, with, you know, the Shelley and Wilson craft, and I don't know, yeah. I like, I like the true story aspect of it, and just knowing it's, it's real, and it actually happened. it sort of makes it a little more, like, a permanent spot in life, sort of. Um, do you have any favorites from when you were growing up, or even
0: now? When I was growing up. <laughs>
2: I know. I, I'm trying to think if I actually read it in that much nonfiction when I was growing up.
0: I, I I know I know I've got like some in the past ten years that I that'll read, work. that I think still hold up. Yeah, that'll work. Um, let's see. I know uh, when I was thinking about nonfiction titles, I one of the ones that I thought of that I think does still hold up is Paradox of Choice by Barry Schwartz. I have not read that one. It is he just um, takes a look at. How you make decisions how hard it can be to make decisions okay and i think i think maybe aziz ansari mentioned it during um, oh, modern romance that's he might have yeah I was talking about the plethora of choices that, that you have.
2: sounds vaguely familiar but
0: yeah i think that that's one case where it shows that even though, though that book came out a few years ago it's still very very relevant and I will admit that it's hard for me to make choices but that was that was a book that I read and I was like I can take some of this and apply it I can make a choice and be comfortable with what I chose
2: I may have to look into that because I am horrible about making choices as well
0: (laughs) it's a good one
2: that's good to know um I always liked anything by Bill Bryson the travel writer he's so funny um he is American by birth but then he sort of kind of became an expatriate and then at one point he moved back to america and then i think he lives in england again now but he just writes these hilarious books about these vacations and travels that he goes on um the one that he's probably most well known for is a walk in the woods he took a he and his friend went and decided to go on the um appalachian trail can't pronounce that word sorry um (laughs) and, like, hiked the Appalachian Trail. And along the way, he sort of does the history of the trail, like, how it became what it is now, and also just their own experiences out camping and in the wildlife. Um, and it's it's absolutely hilarious. And then he has some where he's gone to, I think, in a sunburned country. It's one in Australia. And he's done a couple of... Um, ones in England as well he recently, a couple years ago he and his family moved to a I think it was like a country home in England and he wrote a book basically about the history of houses and like how each room in a house kind of came to be (laughs) like the living room or the dining room or the kitchen, I mean yeah, it's like a whole micro history on houses I can't remember what it's called. I want to think it's called, like, home or house. I don't remember. But he he just has this very dry sense of humor. And I always I – always, it's a sort of thing. I learn a lot of stuff about places I've maybe never been or will never go. So that kind of makes it a fun little escape in its own way. So –
0: to the house, was there like? A room? It's called
2: At Home, a short history of private life.
0: Yeah, okay. Was there a room that like had, had the best story?
2: Behind? I don't really. It's been a while since I read it. It was just the whole thing. I don't know. Yeah, the description. Um, they live in a part of England. One day he began to consider how very little he knew about the ordinary things of life as he found it in the comfortable home, and so he just sort of goes room by room, writing a history of each room and sort of what it provides in terms of just sort of everyday life. It was really interesting. Huh.
0: Yeah. I might have to pick that one
2: up. You should. Yeah. yeah the idea of uh, like micro histories and sort of like taking one solitary subject or like one thing and then just like really digging in deep on its history is like a whole nonfiction genre I don't I haven't read that many of but they're really I mean you have to do a lot of research on those like there's entire books on history of paper and like different kinds of food so that takes a lot of dedication as a (laughs) researcher and a writer (laughs) so I don't know it's good stuff yeah good stuff so that he's one of my favorites is it's Bill Bryson for sure yeah so um, do you remember like was there any one nonfiction book that really got you hooked on nonfiction do you think hmm
0: I, don't, I can't think of like a, a turning point there's always I always there's a... just always always been a good probably since about high school okay um I think I can't even remember what the book was called but my history teacher junior of high school was like everybody has to read a book that's not the textbook fair and I ended up reading one on Gilded age history oh and it okay was, it was really engrossing, unfortunately. I don't remember that's that. okay. No, <laughs> but, that's okay. But it kind of, you know, I, I think that got me thinking that in addition to fiction, there's a lot of, there's nonfiction out there that can be just as um, beautifully written. Mm-hmm. And um, on that topic, I, when I do think of, like, history, Nonfiction history books that I always like to read. I always like to read um, Eric Larson. Yes, yes. he did um, "Devil in the White City," and I think when people think of that book, they think of the H.H. Holmes murder part right. a lot. But then there's also the other whole half with um, Daniel Burnham, the architect.
2: That yes, like the whole building of the World's Fair. Yeah, I find that so compelling. And just trying to imagine this whole, like, world within a world that existed right in the middle of Chicago. <laughs>
0: and, and he makes it, he makes it feel like you're there. He does. There's, um, you know, I think he puts, like, a menu from some dinner that mm-hmm. some people in the book went to in there at some point. And, um, I, yeah, it, it's, he really establishes that sense of place for that book. I'm currently reading another one of his okay. called Thunderstruck. Oh, I heard about that one. Which is not about ACDC. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> Darn it. Unfortunate. Darn it. One. But it's about something just as good. Okay. It's another thing like Devil in the White City where he's pairing a murder story along with oh. a story of innovation. He's um, got the... Murderer's name was Holly Crippen. Okay. And he's pairing it with the story of Giulio and Mo Marconi and the wireless radio. Oh. So I just started that one, but I'm really looking forward to burning through that one pretty quickly. That
2: sounds really good. Yeah. I like his books. He writes. Sounds weird, but he writes like fiction. Like they read like right. fiction. They're very fluid, and there's definitely a storytelling, narrative to the, the books, which make them really interesting. Yeah.
0: yeah. Have you read um, his newest one about the Lusitania? I,
2: I have read, like, half of it. I have this horrible problem. There's just too many books here.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: It's <sighs> too many books here working in overdrive, and so <laughs> like I'll start one, and I'll be like, this other book comes out, and I'll be like, oh, it looks so good. I'm, I'm bad about completing books now. Um, but I had started to read that. I think I, I have it um, somewhere. Yeah, so it was good from when I started with it. Yeah, he I just like he's just he's just a really good writer, and he just makes things super interesting and captivating, and really he holds your attention well. Because I think nonfiction sometimes, depending on the writer, it might be a little try sometimes depending i don't know but he does a he does a good job of keeping things interesting which i appreciate um I agree. yeah uh for history i also like um allison weir she writes a lot of tutor history mm-hmm. and uh i actually came to her through fiction because i had i had read Philip Gregory's The Other Boleyn Girl years ago when it first came out and I really enjoyed it and I but knowing it was fiction I wanted to read nonfiction about this this time period Um, and so Alison Weir had a whole book on The Six Wives of Henry VIII and I just like blew through it it was so good I mean it's a dense book but it was so good and just so like I didn't know much about that Period of history, or really anything about the wives. Um, so reading about all of that drama, talk about soap opera. Like, and uh, she has a whole bunch of of books, mostly about the tutors but she does do some other um, English uh, royalty family as well. Like, I think she has a book on Eleanor of Aquitaine, and um, but it's a, yeah, it's historical, but they're just they're really good. It's the same kind of thing, so. That's my sort of thing. <laughs> anything on the tutors, I will happily read. So, lots of books out there. So, um, is there anything coming out in the future? Or recently have come out that maybe you would are looking forward to reading?
0: Well, uh, I know Siddhartha Mukherjee in the past few months put out a book called The Gene, An Intimate History.
2: I've heard about that one.
0: He wrote... The Emperor of All Maladies, which was about cancer, and this one is about genetics. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am looking forward to checking that out. Um, I was along that line. I was trying to think of science books that I have enjoyed, and I was sort of struggling, unfortunately, because I love learning about okay. science. Um, so I knew, like, I was like Siddhartha Mukherjee good good choice um and then I was like and who else so, <laughs> so I was talking to a friend over the weekend who was raving about Mary Roach oh yes
2: she's so good right yes
0: well have have, have you read anything any I read, read
2: any? um oh what was it called what was the um it's going to bother me because I'm not going to remember the one about the dead people um stiff stiff I read stiff <laughs> Yes, and she had one just come out too recently. Grunt. Grunt. The, yes.
0: The curious science of humans at war. Yes. Yes. So I'm I'm I think I'm going to start with that one and then move through some of her other topics. Yeah. But um, I'm grateful to that friend for recommending that. Um, I also know that like they put out volumes of the best American science and nature writing every year, so I think her work might have been featured in in one of those volumes, okay. but they're like a good a good way to read some pieces on science that are a little shorter.
2: Sure. So you like the science type?
0: I do. Yeah. It's sometimes they're hard to find. I was the, other book that I have pinned on my list of science books to check out, I found on the list of books that the Journal Science has reviewed over the past year, oh, and it's okay. called The Cabaret of Plants by Richard Maybe, and it's um, it's what it sounds like, it's about <laughs> plants. <laughs> Which I think is interesting because it sounds like he's taking closer looks at different types of plants. Okay. He has um, chapters titled um has one about like Wordsworth and Keats, which is this whole section on romantic writers right. and uh plants. So that looked interesting to me, especially coming off of reading the Mary Wollstonecraft Mary Shelley. Yeah, where, oh for
2: sure. A good tie in. Keats shows up in that book. He would show up, yeah. And that we would make sure. sense.
0: Yeah. So I'm looking forward to reading the cabaret of plants and learning some more about the natural world.
2: So um, I do enjoy science stuff. I do find it a little intimidating sometimes. So if someone wanted to start maybe reading a little bit more, do you have a good access point as like a first book or an author they could look for? Mm -hmm. And now I'm putting you on the spot here a little bit. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I know when I was in high school, and these are older books now. But Richard Feynman, Feynman, okay, who uh, I believe is a physicist, he wrote about science in a way that it was very
2: it was a little more to, accessible. Yeah, yeah.
0: okay. Um, so I did, I did like his stuff. But
2: other than that... That's okay. I was just curious, because I think, like, sci- like now I think people are getting... People who aren't maybe into science naturally or haven't really been into science growing up are... Science is cool now, I mm-hmm. guess is sort of what I'm saying. And so, um, having, yeah, but again, it can maybe be a little, you know, inaccessible if you don't have a background or, or history with it, so just trying to find ways to get books for our readers.
0: Oh, how was I overlooking it? The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks. That oh, that is, is very me. good um, if you want to know something new, know more about science. That is an excellent, yes. Very accessible read. For sure. Very gripping read. Yes,
2: that is that was a good one. Yes. See? You did great. It's just awesome. Had to, <laughs> just had to Some, think about it It's okay. Yeah, sometimes you just need your brain to work a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, let's see, I had a list. Where did mine go? Uh, there's a book coming out um, this month um, on August 23rd called Blood in the Water. It's by Heather Ann Thompson. I'm going back to my weird prison stuff, um, it's about the Attica prison ri- uprising, uh, which is a prison riot back in the 70s. It's a big book. It's like, I think I read one of the reviews. It's like, I want to say 700 pages I might be overestimating that it might be 500 only (laughs) but it's a big book but she spent um a lot of time researching what happened during the prison riots and I am really looking forward to reading that because I clearly like prison stuff I don't know whatever it's a weird thing so that comes out in August and um on topic, actually, now that I think about it, of science and sort of along with um, Henrietta Lacks, there's a book that just came out called Patient HM by Luke Dietrich and it is sort of a medical memoir um, and there's an epileptic patient who went by in the, the studies on him by HM as initials and um, the author's grandfather did a sort of new technique of a lobotomy on him. I and mean, this is like way back when that was sort of the standard epilepsy thing. Um, to try and stop the seizures. And he didn't stop the seizures, but whatever he did in during the lobotomy um, left H.M. amnesic. Like, he has no memory. <laughs> and so it's sort of he became this sort of case study of memory and trying to sort of understand memory more um and so that just came out and I'm really looking forward to reading that one because that's like the whole yeah like memory like it's in your brain obviously Mm -hmm. but it's not like I don't know it's so hard to explain memory you know like (laughs) it's Right. like that it has a place in your brain and it's clearly a thing that's there, but it also seems so kind of fluid and like out in the ether, like it shouldn't have like a permanent place. I don't know. I don't know if I'm describing it well. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. I,
0: I, yeah, that sounds like something I would enjoy reading um, because, again, a topic that I know not yeah, nothing about. Yeah, I know. About.
2: That's why, like, I hadn't really thought about how that works. Like I know amnesia is a thing and that you can sort of lose your memories, but never really thinking about how that happens and that someone could just sort of be doing something in your brain trying to do something else and they just hit that magic button that exists and sort of, so that sounds good. So I think that's all I have for stuff coming out, but um, is there anything else that's come out recently that you're looking to read? Hmm.
0: Oh, I don't know how recently it came out, That's but okay. I did come across a book the other day called "Pistols at Dawn: A History of Dueling." Ooh, but that just, sounds good. Yeah, I want to read this book. It's, <laughs> the author is John Norris, and I feel like, especially with the Hamilton craze, yes, it's. I think he, the summary for the you know whatever's on the back cover for the book basically is. I think brings up the point that this was <laughs> this happened. Yeah, we <laughs> used to do this to each they other. They did, I know. So that I am very curious about because whenever they explain it in movies and stuff, it sounds like it's very much there were rules and yeah. Uh, so I want to know more about how this all started and you know how it how we decided to move beyond that, <laughs> and solve our differences in other ways. But Pistols at dawn. Really looking forward to reading that one. That
2: sounds really good. I don't
0: think I don't know how new it is, but
2: That's okay. Probably. And Adam will be very happy we mentioned Hamilton. Hamilton gets mentioned like in almost every episode just by <laughs> accident half the time. <laughs> so that's good. Okay. Well, thanks so much for coming on the podcast today. Well, thanks for having of me. Of course. I hope you had fun. I did Good. Yeah. So we'll probably have to have you back in a future episode. So, um, these were just some of the nonfiction books that we have been reading. There's lots more out there. I'm sure we'll do future episodes with more nonfiction books. And if there's any nonfiction books you have read and really enjoyed, feel free to email us at feedback at overdrive.com and share your thoughts. And um hope you enjoyed the episode. Bye everybody. Bye. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from OverDrive.com, and our library friends can add these titles to their collections and marketplace.
0: Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks.